Welcome to the Circuit Clouds podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball, purveyors of fine fake baseball since 1951. The baseball is fake, but the podcast is real. And we have our 1984 season preview episodes. We're going to do two parts, uh, part one today, team 16 through nine. And joining us as usual, we have the ratingsmeister, Glenn Reed. Hello, Glenn. Hello. And joining us once again, Havana Leones, general manager, Lance Mueller. Hello, Lance. I'm back, baby. I'm back. All right. And happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, thanks. First of all, thanks to everyone for uh, what I thought was a very smooth um, off season, considering we had the expansion draft. We had three new GMs. Uh, I felt like we got through things fairly quickly. Um, were some hiccups along the way, but including the zombie rookies that we had to kill off two or three times. Thanks for everyone for getting the league where it is. We're on opening day, 1984, 34th season of the United League. We have two new teams, Savannah and Toronto. We've got a whole new structure with four divisions, up to six playoff teams. So a lot to talk about. And the way we're going to structure this is just, we're not going to do it by division. We're going to do it uh, 16 teams, counting all the way up to number one. And we will start with the San Francisco Spiders, who, according to Glenn's ratings, and we're going to base these the order of the teams on on Glenn's rating system. So um, obviously these will vary a little bit from what's in the game, but not a whole lot, actually. Um, So we'll start with the San Francisco Spiders. This is a team that uh, struggled last year. They finished third from the bottom two years in a row. Glenn, you want to get us started with San Francisco? Yeah, dude. So San Francisco is the most rated team by a, by a wide margin. I mean, like he, he, like I said, I think I wrote somewhere he has like a hammer lock on the first pick. I mean, this dude is, you know, he is nailed on. Why is that? He has the worst starting pitching. And in the past, this guy has almost always had the best bullpen every year since the restart. Um, he had Forster arguably the best closer in the league for the last whatever seven or eight years. And he had this setup guy who was also amazing. Gary Lucas, both of those guys are gone. So his starters suck. His bullpen sucks. His total pitching is the, is the lowest in the league. So you're like, well, okay, he's pitching impaired. What about the lineup? (laughs) His lineup is the lowest in the league on almost every single metric that I looked at. You know, OVP, power, contact. I mean, come on. You have the worst power and the worst contact and the worst OVP. Like, things don't look good for Jeffro. His defense is actually pretty good. So, again, he's obviously going for gloves, draft young pitchers, and put gloves behind them, right, to help him develop. So, so his total, even with his good defense, is, is as I say, by far the worst. Um and just like a, sort of the 30 second version of why that might be. I mean, since the restart, basically since 1977, um, Jeff has basically drafted more for talent than for current ratings, right? So you think of Pedro Guerrero, Brett Butler, Mattingly, Julio Cruz, right? Well, every single one of those guys has failed spectacularly um he's still paying pedro you know three million a year or whatever it is for you know a top five pick and the guy's ratings are just and just horrendous so so just in recent years though he has switched right so in recent years he has switched to drafting pitchers he has de leon he drafted Riho. so now he's drafting more established more fully cooked 
arms and starting that way. And I think that makes sense because that, uh, for people who've been in the league for a long time, San Francisco was really good for a really long time based on Fergie Jenkins and Bob Moose, right? So he had like an, a superb one-two and a superb bullpen. So I think, I think he's getting back to where he was, or at least he has a plan to get back to where he was. But for right now, he's just like light years away from that. When I looked at this team, it just felt like it was sort of like a one-horse stable for both the pitching and the batting. I mean, once you get past De Leon and cities in the rotation, there's not a lot of great pitching talent there, or at least developed talent. And then, I mean, to me, like Luis Agallo was about the only real threat in that lineup, and I don't even know where that guy came from. I mean, he seems like <laughs> sort of like out of nowhere, but it's like you look at him, you're like, okay, this guy could hit for power. He could, like he yeah. seems like a decent threat. And there's a little bit of speed at the top of the lineup with Butler and, and Willie yep. Wilson, but it's like, to what end, if you go with nobody behind you who can hit, I mean, it's like, what's the point of having fast guys? If there's no one's going to like knock you, you know, from first to third or from second to home, then what's the point? It just seems like a one, you know, one trick kind of offense and pitching staff. And also if you look his six, seven and eight guys, so Meyer, Ivy and McCannon are all wrecked. And on a team that doesn't seem like it has much depth. So if one of those guys goes down, I mean, it's like, he just goes from being like bad to being real, real bad, real fast. Um, You know, and it's, yeah, it's, you know, Jeff for the longest time sort of like did well for himself with his sort of like sort of stand pat mentality, which was like, he didn't make a lot of trades. You know, there wasn't a lot of movement on the team. He wasn't like trying to do anything other than sort of draft to get whatever he was trying to make the team out of. And for a long time, it worked for him. I mean, he had a pretty solid team when you got, you know, Moose and, and Fergie at the top of your rotation. I mean, it's like, you're going to be okay standing pat, but now it seems like this, and now he's, he's definitely moved. He's definitely made some draft picks. He's done a few other things where it's like, you look at this team now versus a few years ago. And it's like, I don't recognize any of these teams from, you know, the spiders a few years ago, but I don't know if this is change for the good necessarily. It's change, but it doesn't seem like really good change. And yeah, he, it's this team is like solidly at the bottom of the well here, unfortunately. Yeah, he had seven winning seasons in a row from 74, won the World Series in 74, made the playoffs 76, 78, 80, right? This, uh, this even year thing, this kind of zigzag thing. He made the World uh, Series in 80. Uh, made the World Series in 80, yep. Uh, and then from eight, so what happened in 1980 to 81, his team dropped uh, 22 wins. It was a 22 game drop from 85 to 63. And then he's been kind of mired in the, in the sixties ever since. So um, 30 games back, 26 games back, 26 games back. So um, uh, team has not gone anywhere. They've been last in attendance the last three years. So uh, I'm going to do a little bit of kind of like a financial report card on each team. So, this team is close to financial distress. They were, uh, they've been last in attendance three years in a row. They've been uh, last in revenue two of the last three years, but still ninth in ex- expenditures. So he's been kind of bleeding red ink the last few years. The good news is um, this year, it looks like he's got, he has the lowest non-expansion team payroll in the league. So it, it, it looks like he might be stopping the hemorrhaging in terms of, in terms of losses. The other good news is, well, I, I should point out he has a third best farm system. So he's got Rio, he's got Mitch Webster, a couple other pieces, very young team. Um, so even DeLeon and Hudson, I think it was the only team last year that had two rookies in his rotation, DeLeon and Hudson. So I think four fifths of his rotation is under 25. So um, clearly there's some 
uh, upside potential there. And the other thing I'll point out is he only has 4 million tied up in long-term contracts and only 4 million tied up after this year. So he's got the most flexibility of any team um, in terms of payroll after that, he could basically purge his entire roster and start from scratch. So he's got a lot of flexibility there. So there it's not all bad news for San Francisco, but um, they're going to, I think they're going to be taking their lumps this year and probably next. All right. So we move on number 15. So Glenn, why don't you tell us who's number 15 on your list? <laughs> well, as of, as of this moment, it's Denver. It wasn't, it wasn't like a day ago, but it is now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Tell, tell yeah, us. About- so maybe you should tell us, about, maybe you should tell us about Denver. I mean, I mean, what I can tell you is uh, before the Russell trade, you basically had a superstar at the top of the rotation and then a bunch of like a couple 20 rated guys and then a bunch of 18 rated guys. And one of those 18 rated guys is Andy Solomon, who absolutely like single-handedly almost cost me the playoffs or a shot at the playoffs last year. So like I couldn't get rid of this guy fast enough. So, so on the one hand, as soon as I saw him, I was like, come on, bro. Like, you know, we gotta, you gotta downgrade your rotation. Like after Russell, it was looking dodgy. Now, of course it, it looks even more dodgy because there's, you know, it, it's uh McAnally's old and he seems to have started the rating slide. So um, he's not as good. And also your bullpen, it seems to me like you've invested in your bullpen in the past, but it hasn't, it doesn't really show up yet. So you have some good prospects and their current talent is 20, which, you know, a 20 rated player, that's my benchmark for a good player. So that's fine. But closer in this league tends to be a super, you know, like 23 is like a good closer or even like a 22 and your guys are both 20. So, so your bullpen and your starters don't, don't rate very highly anymore, especially without Russell. And then with respect to your uh, position players, uh, you, you have like Weiniger who's really good. And in the past, your OBP was a lot higher, but I think what's happened lately is you've like added Bell and the Sasky guys who are more, have more power, which is good but worse eyes. Your OBP has kind of gone down relative to history, but your team is young, right? Willie McGee, Bell, Asaski, these guys are, you know, even Weiniger, he's been in the league forever. It feels like he's 27. So, so I, I feel like your team is young um, and going places, but with respect or has the potential, right. To improve because, uh, you know, because a lot of these young guys I think are going to be getting better and your farm is, obviously improving after acquiring uh fernandez but um but again but right now it just doesn't it doesn't rate very highly and, and where you really get a knock like a major demerit by my ratings sort of calculus is you had <clears throat> you had um evans and daryl evans who was a 20 rated you know guy at third base that's, that's a there are very few of those and he's an exceptional defensive player and you're replacing it basically with a zero war or maybe even a negative war player. So that's a major knock in my, my ratings as well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's a ton to add to that. I mean, it's, you know, I sort of looked at that trade and then, you know, was trying to, you can't, I mean, I don't know how you imagine getting better trading Russell and getting an old Ernie, you know, Ernie, Ernie McNally, McAnally, McAnally, um, uh, which, you know, I mean, we love that guy, but I think we can all see him on the sort of on the down slope of his career. I mean, yeah, I mean, the rotation and the pen all seem like, yeah, they're, you know, good, but sort of very 
right now, middle of the road. Um, there's, I mean, the, the offense, I mean, it's, it definitely seems like you're building for the park, you know, I mean, a lot of guys with power as, as Glenn said, but not necessarily greatest OBP, but definitely, you know, getting, you got Bell and Asaski and Weiniger and some um, other guys in there as well. But in some ways, yeah, and you know, as Glenn said, I mean, you're you're you lose Evans and you add Flannery becomes your starting third baseman. I mean, that's a huge sort of downgrade both both in the field and at the plate. And it's like you look a little bit and you like it almost feels like there's more depth on there's more talent. Sorry, necessarily depth, but there's more talent on the bench sort of sitting there than maybe is even in the lineup. I mean, with guys like Bakhti and uh, Tony Perez, who's obviously uh, up and coming. You got Weiniger, you behind Weiniger, you're not going to necessarily get us get the starts, but I mean, you know, and I mean, Chet Lemon, some other guys where it's like, uh, you know, I mean, these guys look like they have the, you know, the potential of being starters on some other teams, but they're sitting behind some other guys right now. But I mean, it's nice, nice to have that depth, but, but I don't know that even if they were in the lineup, this team would necessarily be all that great. Although I don't know that I would say they're the, the, you know, the fifth number 15 team in the league by my assessment, I think they're probably a little bit better than that, but we're going by Glenn's just pure ratings count. So like, I'll, I'll take it on, on, uh, we know where that's put in the team right now, but uh, let's hear what uh, the actual GM of the team thinks about his team. Yeah. So uh, I'm returning much of the team that I obviously last year was a disaster. It was probably the team's worst season since uh, the first first couple of years um they came in the league in 74 let's let's see 66 yeah it was actually my worst year since uh 76 which so at the first three years i was last place three times in a row so so last year a huge disappointment i thought i was going to compete instead i dropped uh 13 games i finished 66 and 90 i looked at my team and figured i had i think i was next to last in terms of uh farm system so my big focus was on um, trying to build up the farm system. And clearly, I'm not even trying to compete this year. I'm trying to build out the prospects. So um, with Russell, it was a case of, I think I saw th- three out of my five uh, starting rotation were wrecked. And I've, I've, and I already lost J.R. Richard last year, and I figured I need to get as much value for Russell as I can uh, in, in case he goes down with a, you know, a massive injury or career ending injury, something that costs me, you know, eight, he, he's on the hook for 8 million through 88. So basically the, the swap for McAnally, McAnally was one of the few contracts out there in the league that was um, comparable weight. So the, the advantage is that he expires um, five or four or five years before Russell does. So that frees up it gives me financial flexibility from 86 on. The key piece for me was once uh, once Vase was, once Tony Fernandez was on the table, and you look at him and he's like uh, one of the top, he's the only top tier shortstop prospect in the league. Uh, and I just traded away Rick Burleson, who was kind of a mainstay in my rotation for years, but he just stopped hitting. So um, I, I traded Burleson to St. Louis last year, I think. Um, I've got Roy Smalley Jr. playing shortstop for now, but he can he can shift over to third uh, when Tony Fernandez comes in. But for me, the big focus was uh, kind of reducing my long-term costs, building up my farm system. Um, I thought I did well in the draft. I think Kevin Mitchell is the highest-rated hitting prospect in the league. Um, he's 
Yeah, he's the fourth prospect overall. So I got Mitchell with the ninth pick, and he's the number one hitting prospect. He's going to play third base for me probably in a couple of years. Um, I've added Danny Chartable, who's kind of like just gamble, like see if this guy develops. He can't field for anything, but if he develops to his full potential, he'll be one of the few. He'll be up there in kind of C-Rob and uh, Daryl Porter, uh, Bob Horner kind of territory. So, but that's probably five years off. So definitely taking the long view. I did try to address the, um, the bullpen. Um, if you think my bullpen is bad now, you should have seen it last year. Uh, I did add Mark, Mark Wiesman, who's much better than I had before. And then uh, Jeff Robinson, uh, I, I picked up in the draft. So I don't expect this team to compete this year, but I'm happy with the, I'm, I'm still happy with the trade. Yeah, I, I did a, a first round swap with LA. So I, you know, if this team really does end up being 15th, then that's the number two pick. But I really, I feel like that pick was really, that was the Tony Fernandez swap because Tony Fernandez was the number four pick last year, the year before. So um, yeah, clearly don't expect to compete this year, but I, I think I'm on, I'm on track. The other thing, the other good news story was the only player, my entire team slumped last year, except for a few guys and the three guys who did not slump, who actually improved happened to be the three youngest players on the team. So if things are going the right direction. I'd be Asaski, George Bell and Willie McGee. So um, I've got some pieces uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see where the team goes on the finance side. This team's been in the top three in attendance and revenue for, for four, four straight years. Uh, it's been profitable for four years. So I'm not too worried about, um, about my cap long term. One thing that is different is I had the cash max. I had 8 million in cash for four years in a row and I'm down to zero this year. I, I did use some cash for some of my deals. So, all right. So we move on to number 14. I have Brooklyn 14, which is a bit of a shocker. Like, I mean, they have consistently performed well and they've consistently outperformed my ratings. I think every year there's two teams that I that don't score highly by ratings but do perform well, and that's Brooklyn and Chicago. And I think I know why that is, and so we should, we should address that here. Uh, so I think that the reason why I undercount them is Basically, I'm looking at ratings across the big three dimensions, uh, contact power and, and I. Um, so I look only at those three. So like I like a guy, you know, who, who might be like six, seven, six or, or five, seven, six. Right. Even though you're like, yeah, five contact might not be that good. But, but to me, that's 18. That's pretty good. Like he could play at almost every position or at least many positions. Right. But Brooklyn doesn't really do that. He focuses on contact more. And so, and that makes sense because, so this is kind of my theory, that makes sense because his stadium also is heavily oriented toward contact. It promotes uh, promotes average and punishes power. So the fact that his team is light on power, the fact that his team, you know, doesn't add up to that much, it's not that big a deal it's not it's not a it's that's not a deal breaker for him because again he's like looking to hit singles and doubles and that is also i mentioned chicago that's also what chicago has done historically and i've always undercounted chicago too so so i think that's what he's doing so even though i'm telling you his lineup is his lineup is the second worst by ratings count well i mean that's true but 
but maybe he's going to generate, you know, he's going to outperform that just by virtue of, of the fact that he, he is a, he is superb in contact terms. He is easily, uh, he might, looks like he's third in contact. So, so if you're the third best contact team, even though your lineup is, yeah. is horrible and you well, play in been, the park to promote singles. Yeah. He's been a top five offense the last three years in a row. Exactly. Exactly. So how does that make any sense? Well, there you go. So he's, he's got a pure contact team and a park that promotes average. So there you go. Okay. However, so however, I told you he had the second worst lineup. The thing that's weird is I was thinking he has a good pitching team, but in reality, he doesn't, he, he has the second worst starters. And so why is that? It's because he has Sanderson who's young and good and he has Headland, who he signed as a free agent, but the rest of his guys, Carlton, Clancy, and Freeslaven, well, they only add to 18. I'm saying the benchmark for a good starter is 20, maybe 19 if you want to be generous, but he doesn't have any of those guys. So, so um, yeah, so moral of the story is uh, my ratings don't like Brooklyn at all, but I could see a scenario where he's going to outperform those ratings. I mean, he consistently outperforms those ratings, but, you know, can he continue to levitate? Like, you know, can he levitate all the way up to the playoff zone? I don't think so. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. I mean, uh, you mentioned Sanderson at the top of his rotation. He was definitely solid. But then you sort of get to Hedlund and Carlton, who are just getting older and, and probably not any better. And then Clancy and Levin, who are just kind of Jekyll and Hyde. I mean, sometimes you get magic out of those guys. I mean, obviously, I think. Fred's been had like a 20 win season a couple of seasons ago or whatever. And, but I don't think that that's in his future, uh, any, any anywhere in his future. And so, you know, when you have that in your rotation, you're just like, you're taking a lot of chances, uh, you know, just a lot of the games that are going on. I mean, I think he does have a pretty, I mean, I like the look of this bullpen. I think it's a pretty solid bullpen, but I mean, with this start with this five man rotation that he's got going, that bullpen's probably going to get tested. And as Glenn said, like, I think it's a, you know, having built Chicago, you know, I look at this offense and think it's a pretty good offense, particularly, I mean, at the top of the, at the top of the offense, you know, I mean, you got Landro, who's, you know, probably a top five leadoff hitter. You got Tommy Hur, looks really good, you know, and he probably wished he had more power. And then he did get more power because he picked up Dave Parker and put him in number three spot. So there's some additional pop in the lineup. So I think it's, it's not a bad offense by any stretch of the imagination. And I think he's got a pretty solid, uh, overall defense as well. I mean, I think these, a lot of these guys are, you know, fairly well rated at their positions that they play. Um, and, you know, I've been a sort of been a big supporter of Brooklyn in the past. Like I've talked Brooklyn up in a number of season previews where I think guys had them out of the playoffs. And I was like, no, 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 I think he might make the playoffs. I might, he might be a top four team. And, uh, you know, in, in some years he's definitely proven me right. I don't think that that's the case this year. I don't think he's a top six team. Um, I think he's somewhere in the bottom eight I don't again 14 just seems like a real a real hard crash for this team but I do look at as at Brooklyn uh, along with a couple of other teams uh, as a team that's actually on the down slope and so I don't see them yet being playoffs and I don't even really see them being top eight necessarily probably top of the bottom but you know that doesn't really get you a lot Third quarter, third quarter, yeah. Um, so yeah, this team's won, had eight straight winning seasons, um, but usually right around 82, 85 wins. He's always right there in the hunt. He's made playoffs three of the last five years. The two years he didn't make it, like you missed by a game or two. Um, but uh, on the finance side, um, this team, so they've been in the 
bottom five in attendance the last four years, but he's done a really good job of keeping the revenue. His expenditures and revenue have been really even. So he's been basically breaking even financially year after year, which is good. So there's no real financial uh, worries. He also only has 11 million tied up in long-term contracts, which gives him the fourth, uh, that's the fourth lowest. So, um, and then finally, I should note, um, Brooklyn is actually has the number one farm system. He's got Mickey Tettleton, John Franco, Julio Franco, and uh, Kevin Gross, who are all the three of the top 17 prospects. So um, that's pretty good considering this team, you know, eight straight winning seasons and you have the number one farm system. So, um, you know, if they do dip this year, I don't expect them. I think both Julio Franco and Tettleton are about a year away from uh, breaking into the, uh, the lineup. So if this team does dip, it's not going to be for long. I think they'll be right back up there. Okay, so uh, number 13 on the list, the first of our two expansion teams, the Toronto Polar Bears. So, Glenn, can you tell us about Toronto? What has them rated fourth from the bottom? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the guy, it's a brand new team and there's a lot of things to like about this guy's team. I mean, the fact that he has, <laughs> the fact that he has Dwight Gooden, the Dwight Gooden is, uh, you know, he has the 24 and he's 19 years old. I mean, that guy that's like so, such a spectacularly good player and that's going to make up for weaknesses elsewhere, but the weaknesses right now, at least are, are real. So if you look at the rest of his rotation, Bly Levin is a 20 raid starter still, but, Bert, unfortunately, um, hasn't produced an ERA under four and four seasons, or at least in the last three seasons. So he's worse than league average, and that's your number one guy or whatever number two guy behind Gooden. Mario Soto, I, I've always liked, and I had him last year, but again, he hasn't. he's not league average either, at least in terms of his results. Demery, same, maybe league average, and Joaquin Andujar, who's not really had success as a starter. So his rotation isn't strong, really. It's good, and, and some other guys who can eat some innings, you know, or you know, do something. His bullpen is again okay for uh, expansion team. The guys I really like is like he, he has Foley and Maddox at short, so he has a strong uh, up the middle defense, kinda. <laughs> then he traded for Steve Sachs to play second base. Dude, Sachs can hit, right? He's got eight contact second baseman, which is nice. But, dude, his, his glove is poor. So so when you add it all up, I mean, uh, you know, wh where do you put him realistically? He's not the worst team because San Francisco is clearly the worst team. But I, I think it's reasonable to – I think it's reasonable to put him, you know, where we have him fourth from the bottom. If you look at his pitching, um, his pitching – again, mostly powered by Gooden, is number seven in the league. So if you take away Gooden, he'd be way down the stack. And his lineup is third, yeah, third bottom. And his defense is better, as I say, powered by Foley and Maddox up the middle. But Alexander, the catcher, not very good. Sacks, not very good. So his spine defense isn't great, even with Maddox and, and Foley, you know, two of my all-time favorite defensive players. So so, I mean, I think that's fair, right? I don't, he's not the worst team, but I don't see how he, you know, he does anything anytime soon. And who cares? I think we already discussed it in a different mm -hmm. pod that, like, you know, he could suck this year and suck right. next right. year and then end up picking early in 86 and, and he's off to the races then. Yeah, he only has one position player ranked in the top 11, and that's uh, Cecil Cooper coming in at, uh, at number nine. So, um, clearly building for the future. 
Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is not worst rotation in the league, you know, and, um, but that's not really saying a hell of a lot. I mean, if you got Doc Good, then I mean, like that guy could win 20 games pretty much for any team and he'll get to be able to, you know, to test that theory playing for this team. Um, I found the bullpen, you know, questionably okay, like nothing to really write home about. Sort of, sort of same with the offense. I mean, you know, there's definitely a warning sign for that offense, which is the his sort of two, his sort of power combo, one-two punch of Cooper and uh, Swadovalis. They're both rated as being wrecked. So if one of those guys goes down, then this um, offense, which is you know middle of the road is best, is going to probably be pretty dead in the water. Um, and then he he got you know. <laughs> He got unfortunately uh, hit with some downgrades. I mean, he picked up Glenn Wilson in the expansion draft. He's got downgraded and he's got him in the minors now. Picked up uh, a catcher that I actually like the looks of, Dan Billardello uh, in the expansion draft. He's gotten downgrades as well. So, I mean, before he even gets into the season, unfortunately, um, these uh, these polar barrels are losing some of their growl because they're just guys who are getting hit with downgrades. And, um, you know, that's not helping his prospects at all. And, but, you know, as Glenn said, which we mentioned before, it's like, he's not really playing for now. He's building for the future. So, you know, we, we, this is definitely a, probably a bottom five team. And, uh, but he, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think the doctor cares. I mean, he's, again, he's, he's looking to the future with this team. So I think Toronto is probably going to end up where anybody probably expects them to end up. Yeah. Uh, looking at the finances, obviously they're expansion teams. There's not, there's, uh, they're starting with the 50 million payroll. By the way, Havana and Toronto have almost exactly the same payroll, about 44, 44 and a half million. Um, it, Toronto does only have uh, less than 10 million locked up after this year. So he's got a lot of, that's the second lowest after uh, San Francisco. So he's got a lot of flexibility. He also only has one player uh, with the salary over 3 million and that's Cecil Cooper at 3.9. So, um, he's playing it pretty conservatively, uh, on the finances side. So he's, he's not over investing in, in particular players. I will say on the Toronto comes in the kind of middle of the pack in terms of uh, farm systems, he's ranked ninth out of 16. So almost squarely right in the middle. But then, um, if you actually look at the players, I'm not sure, I'm sure it's some kind of weighted point system, right? Cause he's got good and Clearly, far and away, number one prospect overall. Then his next highest is McReynolds, is number thirty-six. So, yeah. for for an expansion team to only have one out of the top thirty-five prospects is, um, you know, a little a, a little disappointing. Uh, Van has got two of the top fifteen. We'll get you know we'll, we'll get to them, but um, so he does kind well, of. I think uh, he drafted. I mean, he drafted Frank Williams, right? That was a so the yeah. one reason why I said I think I like his bullpen is you know Roscoe adds to twenty, Frank Williams adds to twenty. So yeah, and he had, so he, he had, drafted Williams. Yeah, and he had Calderon, and he traded Calderon. He, and I think he's stockpiling yep. picks. He's yep. stockpiling picks for future years as well. So that's another thing to take account of. All right, so let's move on to number twelve. Number twelve is a bit of a surprise. It's a team that was, I think, they were a playoff team last year. The Seattle yep. Rainiers. Yep. yep. They finished third overall, uh, no, sorry, fourth overall, uh, made the playoffs for the second time in three years. But according to Glenn's ratings, Seattle is going to be number coming in at number 12 um, under new GM Nick. So, uh, Glenn, tell us a bit about Seattle. Yeah, I, okay, so that's, that's actually a good 
place to start. So if you look at Seattle, they were um, they they did make the playoffs last year. They were the number four team, right? They were sixth in runs scored and fourth in runs allowed. So maybe let's start with the runs allowed. So if if you look at his starting rotation, it is pretty good. I mean, he has Candelaria. That's a legitimate, you know, 22 rated, like really good starter. And he has Boggs at 19. Every other guy is a 20. So he has like, I mean, that's a very strong rotation, but his bullpen is quite poor, right? It is, I think Victor Cruz, his closer adds to 20, as I've said, like all the elite closers in the league are 22, 23. So, um, and the rest of his pen is, is really poor. I think he has one other guy that like adds to 18 and then everybody else is just, you know, dog meat, you know? So, so his bullpen is, is bad. So if his starters get knocked out early or if his starters can't deliver a superb start every single time, he's going to be the dog right in the late innings. And the other thing, so with respect to his offense, he was sixth in runs scored last year, and he does play in a very offensive park, so he's going to get a boost again. But um, one thing that happens with his team is he's highly dependent on Molitor to be effective, right? He's highly dependent on Ken Griffey to be effective. Griffey is a superb top-of-the-lineup hitter, but he's always injured, so you just don't know. He's played 76, 83, and 102 games the last three seasons. So, so even the guys I like, you know, Molitor, very hit or miss Griffey (laughs) injury prone. And then he has Upshaw Valentine Robinson. Okay. Those three guys are legitimately can mash. So no question there, but the bottom of his order has really taken a hit and expansion. He lost uh Hassey, Hassey fallen assy. Right. And now he's got this guy, Bob Kearney, who, um, is not very good as a catcher. And then he's starting Dickie Thon at shortstop, who also is not very good. So so my system, you know, downgrades him a lot, right? Because Thon and Kearney don't add up to anything. And again, even the guys who do add up to things like Molitor and Griffey, or Griffey, right, is is injury prone. So so that's why, you know, what I'm looking at, I I, I can't rate Seattle very highly, even though you know, I recognize that he, he did very well last year, but I, I would just say the bullpen is really bad and the bottom of the lineup is really bad. So that, that's kind of my argument. Quick note on Molitor. If you remember, he won the batting title in 81. He had 358, had a 6.6 yeah. war that year. The next year yeah. he hit 300, his war it was zero. So somehow he went from a yeah. 6.6 to a zero war um, and then last year, his batting average actually dropped a little bit more, but his war bounced back up to 3.4. So I, I don't know if it's it's defense or what's going on there, but his war is kind of like. So Molitor, if he doesn't hit 350, like how good is he? I guess that's the question. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Glenn covered all really what I, I what I had his notes for too. The rotation looks solid, but the bullpen doesn't look very good at all beyond Cruz's closer. I mean, he's got Nolan Ryan as a setup guy and Nolan's definitely on the downslope of his career. I mean, he's he's throwing 92 to 94 now, which for him is like, you know, basically pitching underhand softball um, at this point. And then, yeah, I mean, he's, the top of the lineup looks good. The bottom of the lineup looks horrible. And it's like, if you're relying on top, you know, if the top of the lineup doesn't produce, then you're not going to do very well. I also wonder exactly why C Rob is hitting fifth. You know, I mean, he seems more, I mean, I don't know. 
I hit him, try to hit him third to put him at the, you know, put him more at the top of the lineup and try to get some results out of him. When those guys, you know, when Molitor and those other guys get on base, you know, rather than having hitting fifth. Um, and then I think ultimately for this team, I think where they end up in the standings is going to come down to the new management. They got new management now. It's, you know, uh, the dot and you got somebody brand new in here trying to figure out what to do with this team. And so I think depending on sort of how the, how the GM handles it. I mean, it's not going to make him a playoff team, but I mean, you know, it could mean the difference between, you know, finishing a 10th or 11th versus finishing like seventh or eighth, possibly. There's still a lot of talent on the team that gives them the opportunity to do well, but um, it it is one of the three teams that I had marked with a down arrow, meaning they're sort of, I think, on a downturn at this point. (laughs) There you go, there you go. So, yeah, so... Yeah, I don't. I don't see. Uh, I don't see uh, postseason appearance for this team. Uh, this and if year. I but could add one more thing, just one more thing, they just, play in the only division. one though. Okay, he just plays one, in the same just division one. as LA. So LA and Detroit, right. two super teams. So he, he's not winning the division. His only shot is he has to finish in the top six. And I, I just don't. I don't see yeah. that. Well, he's also playing in the same division as Denver and San Francisco, which we've picked as the two worst teams. So that you know that doesn't really matter. The first 150 games. But again, he gets to that last 12. That means eight of his last 12 games are against nominally the two worst teams. So there's a chance. So, if he's, make him so if he's close to six, then he gets a little juice at the end. Yeah. 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 So he just needs to be close to six. Yeah. 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 So interesting that uh, Lance said he had, this is one of the three teams he had at the down arrow on the finances. This is one of the three teams I have on an up arrow, because if you look at their cap, their cap is 72 and a half. It's the, it's the, highest cap they've had in a, a 11 years. So this goes to Eric Clemens is, is kind of like his long, lots of work on um, cutting expenses. Um, his attendance, this is a really weird thing. The team record was almost identical. Uh, he, he won 85 the year before he won 84 last year. So almost identical records. Team attendance went from 11th to first. Um, revenue only went revenue went up from 56 to 68. So there must've been a ticket price thing, right? I think he discounted the tickets. He got butts and seats. He got 3.8 million in attendance, which shattered. It's by far the club record. Um, his revenue was 69 million, also a club record. So this team's um, doing all the right things on, on the finances side. So at least he's, he's got that going forward. And look at their current payroll. They are... Uh, ninth in payroll. He's at 61 million is 11, 11 under the cap. So um, no financial worries for this team. Really, He did pick up uh, Stan Javier. That was a great uh, draft pick. Um, He's now the 12th overall um, prospect. And then John Shelby, I think we talked about last year is uh, 18th overall. Um, And he's just on the brink. He's five, six, five, four. He's probably got another year of cooking in Portland. Um, actually, m- maybe more than that. He only hit 194 in Portland last year, so it might be a while for Shelby to come up to the big league team. We'll move to number 11, which is the Boston Federals, another team with a new GM with Ryan Hetzer. Um, let's take a look at Boston's um, recent record. This is a team that was, they've probably seesawed more than any other team in the last seven years or so. They've gone from the very bottom to the very top, very bottom in 1975, uh, four straight playoff years under Glenn, including a 1980 World Series win. Uh, and then they dropped to sixth and then seventh. And last year they were dead last, 102 losses. 
So, but we're, Glenn's shown some improvement, moving up at least to 11th out of 16. So take it away with the Boston Federals. I mean, honestly, this is the most intriguing of all the teams, maybe Havana. And there's a reason also why these two were linked, right? It's because of the huge trade between Havana and Boston. But I would say this is like, this is the most intriguing team. He has the single best pitcher in the entire league in Beard, or best starter, right? So he has the best starter. And then he acquires Roger Clemens, 24 potential, 22 current with like 20 pitches or something ridiculous, right? So, so Clemens is going to be excellent. So he has Beard and Clemens, like the best one, two. Anyone's, you know, outside of Durker and Russell, right? He's got the best one, too. But the rest of his rotation is <laughs> horrific. He's got guys 18, 17. I mean, nobody has a 17-rated starter in their rotation, but Boston has a guy 17-rated starter in his rotation. But then look at the closer. He has Bruce Suter. Bruce Suter, it feels like he's been in the league for like 30 years, you know, forever. He's still, still one of the very best closers in the entire league. So, so it's really odd. It's like he has superb top-end starters, superb back-end bullpen, but everything in between is a bit dodgy. I shouldn't say everything. Actually, some of his other bullpen guys are, are decent, actually. So so his, so his bullpen is, is pretty good. And again, his top-line starters are amazing, but after that, it's a, it's a shit show. And the thing is, so here's the, here's the thing that's like super, again, super fascinating about this guy's team. By my count, he has the fourth best pitching team. Again, I'm counting the closer and I'm counting the you know, the, the super stud starters make up for a lot. But what's wacky is he, he has, and he has also the fourth best lineup by my count, fourth best after, right? After the big trade, right? After trading six, though, he still has the fourth best lineup. But dude, the, the, the mind blowing thing is he has the worst team defense by a mile. I mean, nobody's even close to this guy's team defense. He has George Brett, a guy who's rated a two playing shortstop. That, I mean, take it from me, right? I played Mullinex at short forever. He was a three or a four. But the thing is, I had, you know, Rennie Stinnett, who was a 10 next to him, or at third base, I had a six or a seven always next to him. But here we have Tuffle up the middle. He's a five, right? So, so his up the middle defense is shockingly bad. Don Slot has finally got to his eight contact. He's an excellent hitting catcher, contact hitting catcher with five power. That's great. But Slot's not that good defensively. He's only a five. So, so his up the middle defense. And then and um, Larry Herndon is like uh, one of my old boys. Like he, you know, he was really good for a time, but he's been consistently injured and he's consistently been downgraded. And so he's not the same guy that, that he used to be. So his up the middle is the worst. His total defense is the worst. And, and I think that's going to actually, that that's going to prevent guys like Beard and Clemens from achieving their, their potential. I mean, I guess you could say, well, Beard and Clemens are going to strike out so many guys, but, um, but like I say, I've tried that approach before. Um, and, and, and you can't, you just can't escape having, you know, a, a, a truly horrible, horrible spine. Just a note on Bruce Suter. He's got 189 career saves. So he's going to hit uh, probably 200 saves earlier in the season. Yeah. He's yeah. third among active closers behind Forster and Sambito. Yeah. Yeah. He is, he is really good. 
So, yeah. So again, the guy's team is like really good in some respects. And again, his lineup, like I said, the fact that you have a raking catcher, you've got a raking third baseman, Sal Bando's 40 years old, but he still has a 21. That's incredible. I don't believe there's another third baseman other than, uh, you know, Horner, right. Or some that adds to more than 20 at third base. I mean, there just aren't guys like that out there. So, so he has like some amazing guys, but um, the totality I think is going to suffer for <laughs> because of the league worst defense yeah i mean i, I think that i don't know if i'm sold on the bullpen also as uh, as glenn is i mean there's some there's some decent look there's some decent looking guys in there but there are also some guys who doesn't have necessarily uh performed all that well uh historically and i mean he's using ron reed as his sort of stopper who's you know 41 years old i mean his numbers look solid he's a four seven nine but you know the actual pitches themselves don't he doesn't have the pitch a pitch that's better than a five um and you know yeah the top of the line i mean top of the rotation beard and clemens is that that one two punch is like very very impressive no doubt but the bottom you know the bottom two um yeah not a lot to write home about and so a lot of the how well that rotation does may you know hinge on bruce keeson who you know last year won 20 games but you know didn't have a lot to necessarily show for himself before that as a pitcher you know going it's going back to maybe 75 when he won 16 games but you know he's been a decently okay pitcher his entire career with one really spectacular looking season so i'd be surprised if he follows up a 20 win season with another 21 season um and then the lineup again i mean there's like i like to me the one two at the top of this lineup brett and luzinski like just does not look very good i mean it's like this is like a terrible one two combination at the top of your lineup particularly like if traditionally your desire is to have people get on base at the top of your lineup i mean neither one of these guys looks like much of an on-base machine um and the only thing I will note about this team, about this batting lineup, is that uh, four of the eight starters are all uh, are rated as wrecked. So including your top three, so Brett, Lazinski, and uh, Jorge Orta, as well as your starting center fielder, Larry Herndon, all wrecked. So, you know, that is just setting this team up to have multiple guys go down at once. And if that happens, this, you know, offense, uh, which doesn't, I mean, it seems totally fine maybe middle of the pack is going to be like like bottom of the pack real fast i mean honestly this to me this feels like a team that's just like a disaster waiting to happen you know you lose herndon you lose well you pick one of those guys other guys lazinski somebody like that and this team gets real bad real fast and in fact in my mind i might you know in my sort of assessment of splitting teams up and trying to sort of top eight and the bottom eight, I'd probably flip Boston with Brooklyn as far as well. They'll probably end up in the standings. I think Boston's going to be real, toward, real, real low towards the bottom of the, the standings when the season uh, finishes up. Uh, yeah, so on the finances side, one thing they did do well last year is they cut their expenses by $13 million, from $71 million to $58 million. So they had the third lowest expenses last year, which is good. If you're going to lose 102 games, right, don't lose money in, in games at the same time. So, but having, having said that, even though they cut their uh, expenses to $58 million, they still made a little bit of a loss. Uh, the revenues was only $57 million. So, um so that the fan interest, so losing six to Lascano might hurt. I think he was, uh, I think the fan interest, and Lance can probably speak to this. I think the, the, uh, Lascano is one of the more 
one of the most popular players in the league. So they probably took a hit with that, but they, but then they got Doc Gooden, right? So uh, that, that could be a wash there. Um, and then the other note I have here is that they only have 10 million in long-term contracts, which is the third lowest. So they've got a lot of flexibility uh, after this season. They also, one final note is they have the second best farm system in the league. Uh, obviously Clemens, the number two, uh, prospect overall. They are one of only two teams that has two top 10 prospects. They got Kirby Puckett, who's number eight, got Oral Hershiser, who's number 16. And they also, they picked up center fielder Milt, Milt Thompson. Um, he was a 19th overall pick, but he's a good defensive uh, center fielder. So he's also Spilecki. So he's got some uh, other pitchers coming up other than Clemens. So but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the defense and, you know, how the lack of hitting plays out. I forgot to mention, oddly, uh, oddly, he is the oldest team. I mean, if you look at Stats Plus team age, mm-hmm. he ranks out as the oldest team. Maybe that's because of Bando and Brett and Luzinski and those guys, but um, he's the oldest team. He does have the most power in the league, again, because of uh, Phelps and you know, Phelps and Bando. So even after trading Sixto, I mean, think about that. You, you traded one of the premier power hitters in the league. He still has the most power. Anyway, that's, yeah, that's what yeah. I got. We should also note that he has shortstop uh, Mark Belanger, uh, who's a seven, um, and he's actually five contact, seven eye. So on on paper, oh, he yeah. looks like he might be uh, the better option than, uh, yeah. than than George Brett. So, um, But Belanger, is, uh, he's 39 years old, so um, and he – coming off of let's see he hit 250 he hasn't had the last two years he's 0.3 war um each year so uh you know he's nothing great but that that could be that's one move that instantly um yeah um, bumps up the defense if you that's right that's larger. right and plus put him next to bando and you get combined age of 80 and two players that's what <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> that's right. discounted meals uh, yeah. <laughs> that's right all right so let's move on number 10 is uh Washington Monuments. So this is a team that has struggled. So they were dead last. They were the Waffle House, um, which is a term for dead last place team. 105 losses two years in a row, 81 and 82. Last year, they improved quite a bit by 18 games. They moved from 14th to 11th in the league. And we now have them. That's 11 out of 14. And according to Glenn's ratings, they're 10th out of 16. So they're moving up. They're slowly moving up to kind of like the middle of the pack. So what do you got on Washington? 10th out of 16. That That's not great. But having said that, I think there's finally, you see it like, like this is a, <laughs> this is a real team that's about to come to fruition. So even though he's 10th out of 16 now, like let's just start with the, the starting rotation. He does not have a guy in his starting rotation who is older than 25. And every one of those guys, talent-wise, is like 20 or higher. They're not there yet. So his ratings this year aren't good. He has the second worst pitchers by my count. But I mean, again, if you just consider the age and the talent. Like these are the guys that he's going to have for the next whatever five or six or eight years, and they're going to be really good. So, so finally, you see the project <laughs> finally taking shape. For so many years, you're just like, oh Jesus, you know, he's, he's horrible. He's going to be horrible. He has no pitchers, um, and so, but now he does. Now he, he's got all of his guys in place. He has a potentially superb closer. This Carl Willis guy. What are you talking about? 
<laughs> there you go. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the pick me up on that. Uh, but like he drafted Hanky number or whatever, a first round pick a couple of years ago. Hanky looks like a bust. So there's, you know, $2 million there. But you now again, not every pick has to work, right? Or, or not all the picks have worked. But as I say, uh, if he just, if, if these guys he has now in his rotation cook, you know, he's, he's, he's home. It's all done and dusted. Uh, back to his lineup is superb. He's invested pick after pick after pick and, 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 and these guys. And so um, let's look at where his lineup ranks. And yeah, while you're doing that, I'll note that last year, he, his pitching improved from 14th to ninth. So his uh, runs yeah, against, there you go. He, yeah. he sliced uh, 1.6 off his runs against from 5.6 to 4.0. So yeah. already, already moving in the right direction. Yeah. And not only that, but right. But like, let's look at, like, think about over the course of the year, these guys are going to add rating points, right? presumably, right? Like they're not going to bust. Presumably they're, they're young. They're all going to add rating points. So, so he's going to improve yet again. So to me, this guy's team is like clearly, and, and I, but again, I, I don't think this year, even though I'm telling you he's improving, I don't think this is the year he gets there. But um, I, what did he say? You know, maybe in your finances discussion, you can follow up on this. I think he always said he was targeting, it was either 85 or 86 he was targeting. So I think so. So yeah, like, look, it, it's real, dude. It's gonna, it's working, you know, um, you know, whether or not he has any cap space or, you know, financial wherewithal at that time is a separate question, but I mean, but at least with respect to the players and then look at the lineup. So a lot of his guys, they're still cooking Barfield. He still has room to improve. Gedman, who's a phenomenal catching prospect still has room to improve. Of course, Vance like and Boggs are, are, are fully cooked. So, so again, he, he's going to be, he has a, a superb team in like two years, but right now it's just not, you know, it's not quite there yet, but, uh, but I mean, but again, you can, at least now you see, okay, the plan, I see the plan coming to fruition. So, so I'm really excited for this guy's team. I just don't think this is the year he's going to bust out though. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there were a few seasons back, I, you know, I think some of us maybe felt like this was going to be a Waffle House team forever, but like it definitely, it is one of the three teams that I have on my list with an up arrow. Um, definitely on the rise. Finally, I do think the plan is coming together. Um, you know, Viola and Saberhagen at the top of the rotation are good, not fantastic, but you know, then he's relying on another rookie in Jay Tibbs to be his number three starter. And like that guy's got some developing to do, got some pitches to develop. Uh, Bob Ojeda, also a guy who's got some developing to do as well. So I don't think the rotation is going to be that awesome, but better than in the past. Um, and then, yeah, the, the lineup. Definitely. I mean, this is, you can see this, this lineup sort of starting to coalesce and turn into a, you know, a real threat. Um, I mean, the top five, I mean, Vance like Tabler, Bog, Spain, Sparfield, and, you know, even Gadman there at six. Um, bottom two, not that great, but I mean, you know, that's the, you know, whatever, shortstop. You know, not everybody is trying to get offense out of their shortstop and second baseman, someone are looking for, you know, more defense. But I, uh, you know, I think maybe the one thing that could be problematic is that it is a very lefty heavy lineup lefty leaning lineup and so if there are rotations out there that have solid lefty starters that could give them give this team some problems looks to have solid defense all around as well um you know i i think i have to agree with with glenn i mean i think with two additional playoff spots you know if some sort of the planets align for him i mean this is a team that could possibly sneak in there i mean i think the bar for a playoff spot you know just gets gets gotten a little lower i think 
the bar last year was 84 wins, I believe, for the fourth place team. So I think that bar gets a slight bit lower, you know, maybe 82, 81, 80 wins. You know, and again, if like everything goes right for this team, they have an outside chance, but I think it's a pretty outside chance right now. But but yeah, I mean, one or two more seasons and this is this is a scary, scary team. Yeah, so I'm, uh, there's a theme here. You had them, you said one of the three teams uh, with a, with an up arrow on the, again, on the finances. It's exact opposite. Um, they're one of the three teams with a negative arrow. Washington is actually the first team uh, that's in the in the financial distress rules. So he's his his cap is uh, 57 this year, which is actually a good thing because this team has lost money uh, five years in a row, and they've lost 26 million in just the last two years. Um, and they're one of two teams that are sitting on um, negative eight million cash. The other the other is San Francisco. So this team is in dire financial straits, but things are looking up almost immediately because he has at $17 million, the Vita Blue buyout, $17 million. That expires this year. He's got Don Wilson expiring. That's 10 million. So he's got 27 million coming off the books going into next year. So his uh, cap will probably drop a little bit again next year, but then starting in 85, the cap starts going up again. All these uh, prospects uh, we'll start to, to uh, you know, fill out the ratings. And, but yeah, I think, I think 85 is probably the year you see this team making a serious uh, playoff run. Coming in at number nine, we have the Montreal Voyagers. So Glenn, what do you got on Montreal? Dude, Montreal's rotation is not so, so to me, they're an odd team because um, there's one time, I, I think Tim used to always argue that they're the most balanced team, um, you know, offensively, defensively, and their pitching was always solid. But now their their pitching is kind of down the stack, really. So, so their their pitching isn't as good as it used to be. So some of their guys have been downgraded. Um, he does have a couple twenty rated starters, but a lot of his guys, you know, two of his guys are eighteen. And so, and again, fighting stutter terms, I, I don't really think that's that good. And so you think, well, you know, maybe he makes up for that. Oh, by the way, his 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 bullpen is is really good though, or at least his closer is really good. But but you think, well, maybe he makes up for that with his defense. And he has historically been one of the best defensive teams. We had him on the radio or on the pod, and he said, you know, I only draft guys who can field their position. Dude, I, I totally get that. But this year he is starting a career left fielder, Steve Kemp, you know, who's like who's a really mashing player, but he's starting him in center. And I've I've done this experiment myself and it does not turn out well. So 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 defensively, he's sacrificing defense to get runs, but again, for a pitching staff that isn't that strong. So that's a major demerit. Um, but his his lineup um it is pretty good though. So um, so I have them in the top six, I have them in the top six lineup wise and, and OBP wise, he has some pretty good guys here. So, except for, of course, Gary Templeton, he, we always bats high in the order, which I don't know how he does it or why he does it, but he always bats Templeton high. Okay. So that's what I got. Oh, and he drafted Alvin Davis. We should talk about his draft. He drafted the most ready to go, you know, a 21 rated mashing first baseman. And that's why he's moved Kemp to center. Cause by he moved his old first baseman to the outfield and 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 uh, and Kemp to, to center. So he's going to score 100. He's going to score, but I don't know if he can keep anybody out. Yeah, I mean, I think Glenn 
covered most of the notes that I had. It's like, I feel like I don't know which way this rotation is going to go. They're going to either be, you know, solidly good or they're going to really suck. And it's, you know, it's, I think only time will tell. He literally pointed out the two people in the lineup that I brought, that I had written down. Like he added, uh, you know, Alvin, Alvin Davis, um, which definitely adds another threat to this lineup, adds another power threat ready to go out of the box for spaceman. And then I wrote down, why is Templeton hitting number three? I think I cannot understand why a guy with a two eye is hitting in the third slot in, in anybody's lineup anywhere. It's like put anybody else there. Put out, put and, Alvin Davis there. Alvin Davis yeah, is third right now. Exactly. Just put anybody else there. So yeah, I don't understand what's going on with that. So I think, but like, I think the fate of this team lies pretty much in the rotation's hands. If the rotation can pitch up to their abilities, then, you know, I mean, I have them as a as a, a top eight team, um, but literally pro- probably eighth, seventh or eighth. And also, this is my third down arrow team. I think that Montreal is on a down slide, but I mean, that's just, you know, cursory look at the team. But um, you know what I'm going to say about finances then, right? I guess they probably have an up, up arrow. arrow. Yes. Yep, exactly. So, well, the first thing I want to note is this team, they were a second best pitching team two years ago when they won the World Series but they were horrible hitting that year. And then last year with almost the exact same personnel, he turns in the second best uh, run total, but the second worst pitching. So this is definitely a Jekyll and Hyde team. Uh, they've kind of bounced up. And I think even Joe's talked about this, not a lot of roster moves, but he's gone from seventh to second winning world series and then back to ninth um, on the finances side. He's done a really good job um, keeping expenses low. They've been in the bottom three in expenses Um He's been in the bottom four in expenses like the whole time. The whole history of this team is like running on a shoestring budget, but managing to get revenues um, uh, in the top in the top half. Last year, these made twenty six million in profit the last two years. So financially, they're on the upswing. Um, and I will quickly note their farm system. Montreal is at number 13. Other than Alvin Davis, there's not a lot there. Okay, so that wraps it up for the first half of our preview episode. So tune in for the next episode where we'll talk about the top eight teams. Until next time, here's to fake baseball.